0: This is Sarah with First Circle, and today I'm so excited to have Annette Presley with me, and we're going to talk about uh, fertility, but not in, an, in the way we normally talk about fertility. Annette has a really cool spin on it. She's a registered dietitian of over 28 years, a certified functional nutritionist, an author, and the creator of the Mommy Maker Method. After sco- discovering that the diet advice she'd learned as a dietitian was actually contributing to chronic disease, Annette changed course to learn about functional nutrition and nutri- <laughs> Neutronomics. Did I get it? Yep. Okay. Uh, which is how nutrition impacts genetic expression. Now Annette helps women literally manipulate their genes so they can say goodbye to infertility struggles and hello to being a mom. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I I want to know how you got into this in the in the beginning. Um how did you get inter- introduced to fertility? Or actually your your story probably starts early with the dietitian course, right? Yeah.
1: Well, so I was 16 and we had aerobics class for PE in high school. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be an aerobics instructor because this is fun. And so I'd go to the grocery store and get shape magazine. And Mm -hmm. it was the nutrition articles that just really interested me. So when I went to college, I put nutrition down as my major and nobody said I couldn't. So (laughs) um, I became a dietitian. Um, and then about halfway into it, found out that I, um, the advice I was giving out was actually causing chronic disease and obesity. And, uh, so I changed my mind. I actually had to defend my credentials, um, basically for telling people to eat butter instead of margarine. So that was fun.
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: um, and We're very eye opening. Huh? Yeah. Um, very enlightening experience. Um, but I won because the science is on my side, um, And then it was one day I was at church and God told me to go tell this girl, Sharon, I could help her get pregnant. And (laughs) I know I'm like, uh, who does that? I know, first of all, (laughs) like, I don't know her that well. I didn't even know she was trying to get pregnant. And so I, it, I didn't do it for like a month, but every week I'd get the same message. So I finally start that
0: conversation just acted out here for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) I know I I walk up to her and I'm kind of eyeing the exits, you know, (laughs) in case I need to get out fast. Um, And so I just said, uh, Sharon, if you're trying to get pregnant and it's not working, I can help you. And then (laughs) I just kind of held my breath (laughs) and waited Um, and, and she kind of stepped back a little bit and she's like, her eyes got really wide and she's like, we've been trying for almost two years Um, but, and we decided we didn't want to do IVF. So, um, and so I'm just like, oh, great. Then I can help you. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's like, that worked out. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So Um, then you were hooked after that. Yeah. And so, well, not quite. So, um, I actually met with her. I found out, um, she was iodine deficient and I tweaked a few things in her diet, had her take a few supplements and she was pregnant in three months. Um, And so then it was several years later, because I was homeschooling my kids at the time and wasn't really thinking about a job. And uh, so several years later, I was on Facebook and in one of my local moms groups, um, and somebody posted so I, I about their second failed IVF got me attempt pregnant. So how many and things, the how many of women do you who think responded help, have, with similar stories and like some years. of them were on their ninth of IVF. Well, so I just started. Of IVF, so um, three I so just, far. It Yay! Me. I, okay, I so didn't what are some of the specific this was things such you mentioned? A iodine. Let's
0: nerd out on iodine. Why would that be? And so I just I literally fell on the floor and cried. Iodine, because I just thought you know we have to do something about for everything. Um, so that's kind before of before the 1940s, everybody had a real call to it.
1: Uh, our soils were probably had more iodine in them. Um, and so nowadays it's a very different story. So nobody knows what iodine is. <laughs> um, there was a study done in like the 1940s uh, on rats. And the conclusion was that iodine caused thyroid issues. And so we shouldn't use iodine is a very bad study. And it was just one study. I've heard that.
0: I've heard about that study actually.
1: Yeah. So, um, and then penicillin kind of came out around the same time and became the magical cure-all. So iodine just kind of got swept away. But what we notice in iodine deficient countries is that they have a high rate of miscarriage. Um, and they also have a high rate of lower IQs in children. And so iodine Hmm. doesn't just affect your ability to get and stay pregnant, it actually makes a difference in the IQ um, of your children. And it also probably contributes to iodine deficiency would contribute to it like allergies, asthma, ADHD, autism, and all those kinds of things, which we're seeing more of nowadays in children. Um, and so the problem is that not only are we not getting enough iodine in our diet and we think iodized salt is good, but it's usually the iodine is evaporated by the time you buy it on the shelf. <laughs> so you're not oh, actually.
0: Wait, it evap I thought it was a, yeah. I thought it was a micronutrient. How, how can something evaporate like that?
1: Yeah. Um, well, like salt kind of evap- evaporates too, um, but it's just the longer it sits, the less potent it gets. It's not very shelf stable. Yeah. It
0: kind of has a half-life type thing.
1: Interesting. Right. Yeah. Hmm. And so um, we run out of that. Um, and then the other problem we have, and we also don't eat a lot of seafood in this country, like in sea, yeah. food, which are really high sources. Um, and then the other problem is that we have so many. Um, so, well, actually, I like to describe it as um, iodine. I don't know if you used to watch the monsters. So, mm, yeah, when so yeah, tiny, tiny, yeah. Tiny, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was this family of monsters, and then they had one normal, like their niece was normal, a normal human in the family, so iodine is like the normal human and her family, which is bromide, chlorine, and fluoride are like the monsters. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so um, they all um, compete for the same receptors in the body. And so every cell in your body actually has an iodine receptor, Uh, but bromide will crowd her out. So um, bromide, chlorine, and fluoride. So bromide is found in fire retardant clothing and mattresses, that kind of thing. So imagine, you know, we put children in fire retardant um, pajamas. So we've got this bromide building up over time. Um, And, but then it's also in cars, furniture, carpet, computers. I mean, it's, it's pretty much, if you're alive, you've probably been wow. exposed to bromide. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also, some beverages have it brominated vegetable oil, like in, um, orange flavored sodas and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also, instead of using iodized flour, um, we started brominating flour. And so why, again, whose
0: idea was that and why?
1: I don't know. <laughs> It's not a very good idea. Because
0: bromine doesn't act the same in your body, but it's, no. it's, a, it's mm-hmm. a, a sister of, I mean, they're close on the periodic table. Right. So why would somebody think that's a substitution?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm guessing it had something to do with money because usually that's the reason. Um, So but bromide is, there is probably any, cheaper. There's does your nothing, body is no. it a, is
0: it a micronutrient your body needs at all? So what does no. bromine do? Does it make it uh, a better consistency, or does it help with baking?
1: Yeah, it probably does, and it's it's probably cheaper to use, maybe than iodine or or something. I don't know. Somebody, um, you know, I haven't really researched that to find out like why that happened. Uh-huh. Um, but it was really one of the dumbest things we've, we've ever done.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. So, and what country. does, I've heard that, um, iodine has a uh, great to do a lot to do with your thyroid. So, mm-hmm. so what does, okay. Keep, just keep talking. I'm fascinated. Yeah. So
1: your thyroid horm- hormones are, um, iodine is a component of those. So if you don't have enough iodine, you're not going to have enough thyroid hormone and that's, and your thyroid kind of is like a regulator for everything else in your body. Include and it kind of works with all your other hormones. So if that if that's out of balance, you're going to be out of balance everywhere else. And then um, and then that you know we also have a lot of exposure to chlorine and fluoride too with fluoridated water. Mm -hmm. um, You know, and chlorine is in all our water too, and we swim in it. And yeah, so we're just we've got all of these things taking iodine out, um, and that's the one thing that we really need.
0: Wow. Okay. So fluorine. So if the, if the receptors in your cells are full of fluorine and bromine, then it can't accept the iodine. Exactly. We, so it's kind of a plug. It's like having a clogged drain or something or clogged. right.
1: Drain. Yeah. And then we're not eating enough iodine either. So we don't get enough. And then, so then the clogged.
0: cure, the cure to that is just eating, or having more iodine, like taking iodine supplement would, would clear yeah. the fluorine and the bromine out of your system.
1: Yes. Um, and also salt. So, you know, we're also on these low salt diets because, you know, salt's bad, right? Uh, well, salt actually is not bad and salt, act, uh, a low salt diet actually acts like a contraceptive. And so part oh. of, yeah, part of that might be because um, it, it allows more bromine to come in. Mm-hmm. Um, so salt actually helps you detox the bromide so that the iodine can get into the cells. Mm. Um, so that's one thing that it does. Um, but there's a Indian tribe. I think it's, I think they're in Brazil. Um, I think they're called the Yano Mamo Indians or Yano Mamo, something like that. And anyway, they have a very low salt intake and they have about one live birth every four to six years and they don't use any contraceptive and they have sex a lot. Wow. Um, yeah. So we actually need to eat salt. So one of the things I recommend to women trying to get pregnant is that you eat at least a one and a half teaspoons of salt daily.
0: Mm-hmm. And that can be like with your food and stuff. Is that, right. is that an a salt or potassium, the other salts?
1: Yeah. So I actually recommend unprocessed sea salt. So mm-hmm. things like Redmond's real salt or Himalayan uh, or Celtic sea salt, one of those. Um, and generally those are lower in iodine, but like I said, you're not really getting the iodine from the iodized salt, so it doesn't matter. Um, and then I have them use, um, Maine coast kelp flakes, uh, to also sprinkle on their food with their salt.
0: Interesting. Okay. So you got iodine salt. Um, how about oils? So yeah, oils, you mentioned um, the, the margarine versus butter,
1: (laughs) right? (laughs) And so probably one of the most toxic things we have ever done is tell people to eat margarine instead of butter. So the vegetable oils like soy, corn, cotton seed, canola, grapeseed, sunflower, safflower, all of those oils are really high in omega-6 fats, which is a polyunsaturated fat. And the um, they go rancid really fast. So it's kind of like... Um, if you remember in high school, they used to put like a kick me sign on your back. Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah. So the polyunsaturated fats are kind of like that. Someone put a kick me sign. It's basically an invitation for damage. Mm. Um, Or, or I liken it to um, Red Rover, Red Rover. Remember that game where you, yeah. Somebody over and then you end up with wrist damage. Uh Right. So the saturated fat are like 300 pound football players. The polyunsaturated fats are like two-year-old toddlers. Mm. Um, so, if you have a football player running into the arms of toddlers, what is going to happen? Lots of bad things. Yes, <laughs> somebody's probably you know might get killed even, but there's going to be some damage. Um, and so, that's basically the polyunsaturated fats. They're they're just weak. Um, they do a lot of damage in the body, so they cause inflammation. Um, and, and we all know now that inflammation is one of the underlying causes of disease. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to eat a lot of, in fact, we really don't want the oils that are high in omega-6. We want to get omega-6 from food, um, preferably more animal foods, uh, but we really don't need a high intake of the polyunsaturated fats. Even the omega-3s, we don't need high amounts.
0: Interesting. Um, so then tell me the lineup of the oils, which one is the best and the healthiest. So the saturated fats are the best
1: and it's really because of their structure. Um, it, it all has to do with structure. So saturated fats don't have any double bonds in their structure. And so the bonds are really tight, um, with the p- mono and saturated fats, which would be like olive oil, avocado oil. Um, those have one double bond in their structure. So they're still pretty stable. Um, not quite as stable as the saturated fats, but definitely more stable than the polyunsaturated fats. And so olive oil will solidify if you put it in the refrigerator. Um, and the, so it'll be like a solid fat like butter. Um, so it's the polyunsaturated fats, they have two or more double bonds. And so every double bond is like the kick me sign. So the more of them there are, the more damage you're asking for
0: okay. So saturated fats do not have any double bonds.
1: No. So they're very stable. Okay. They don't go rancid very easily. Um, and so those would be like butter, tallow, like beef or lard, um, duck fat, goose fat. What about coconut oil? Things. So coconut oil would be a saturated fat as well and okay, palm so- oil.
0: And palm oil, but Mm -hmm. palm is, comes out of endangered areas. Bad, bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you do
0: palm, I recommend the red palm um, Mm -hmm. because
1: generally that's sustainably harvested and it's also a great source of vitamin E.
0: Oh, cool. I bet you it's hard to get though. Um, Well, in the health food store, it's not. (laughs) Okay. What about the flashpoint? Are you, can you cook with these things?
1: Yeah. So the saturated fats are the best to cook with because they don't go rancid as easily. The polyunsaturated fats, the last thing you want to do is cook with them because heat will make damage them even further. You never want to cook with canola oil, cook with butter. Uh Yeah. Cook with butter, coconut oil, lard, lard and beef tallow really are the best things probably to cook with. Um, And then you can cook with olive oil. So it has antioxidants in it that protect it
0: uh, from the heat. Got it. Okay. All right. So then those, Okay interesting so the and and i know we stopped using canola oil, canola cuz you can like open the bottle and it can smell like yeah rancid yeah and, and so it's usually rancid by the time you buy it yeah and some like when snacks and stuff go stale it's not so much mm-hmm. that it's the oil that's gone rancid in them exactly yeah gross okay what else um what other big items um well so um my mommy maker method so
1: When I was, um, on the floor crying and trying to figure out fertility, um, I did, I did, I started doing some research and discovered that in 1980, less than 1 million women suffered from infertility. And now that number is over 6 million. Mm -hmm. Um, and, Infertility has actually been rising 1% a year since 1990. Whoa. Um, Yeah. And then miscarriages have been declining or rising also 1% per year. Wow. So like everything infertility related has been on the rise um, consistently. And so I started to think, well, what has happened between like 1980 and 2020 Um, in the environment? Like what's different? Um, and so one of the things that is different is the vegetable oils. So those came on the market. Uh, we really started eating a ton of them probably in the mid eighties when we banned saturated fat. Um, so like lard was, and beef tallow were banned in McDonald's and all the fast food restaurants. Cause that's what they used to fry their French fries with.
0: <gasps> I bet that tasted amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, was, there- I, was, I was, I don't remember the eighties and even if I was, we didn't eat out, but that sounds amazing.
1: Yeah, we didn't eat out much at McDonald's. Um, usually if it was with my cousins, but yeah. when I did have it, it was it really was amazing. And the fries have never tasted the same since. Um, I mean, not that I eat there anymore. So why
0: but, did they ban them? Because they thought it was unhealthy or because- Yeah, because we insulin. kind
1: of got on this saturated fat is bad and cholesterol and it clogs your arteries and all that kind of stuff. Um, the problem is that there's no science to support any of that. We've never had any science to back that up. Um, and that's what I discovered, you know, halfway through my career. Um, and so what happened is, um, basically Ansel Keys, he was a researcher. He decided he's the one that came up with this theory that saturated fat and cholesterol in the diet caused heart disease, Mm. like clogged the arteries and caused heart disease. When he presented it to doctors, they laughed at him because they thought that was ridiculous. Um, I mean, if you think about it, we've been eating butter for thousands of yeah, years. That's my you know? argument.
0: I remember <laughs> in the nineties when my mom, you know, I like the taste of margarine, but I remember thinking, why would this newfangled thing replace something we've been eating for millennia?
1: <laughs> yeah. So like butter just all of a sudden started causing heart attacks a hundred years ago. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't really make any sense. Um, but so Ansel Keys was a very proud man. And so he didn't like Being laughed at. So he designed a study to prove that he was right, Um, which is really uh, not the way you're supposed to design a study. No. (laughs) So you're supposed to design it in such a way um, to eliminate as much bias as possible. Um, But he designed it to incorporate as much bias as possible. So he took uh, seven countries and he plotted on a graph the amount of fat available for consumption in those countries and then the um number of deaths from heart disease and he was able to show uh, that like this perfect line so the more fat consumption the more deaths from heart disease and so it seemed like proof positive mm. The problem was there is data available on 22 countries and if you put all 22 countries on his graph there's no line there the levels are just all over the place and there's no correlation um, and he could have picked seven different set of, of countries and come up with the exact opposite conclusion. So the more he fat, picked. the fewer it is. yeah,
0: Interesting. He picked the countries that proved his point. Got it.
1: Yeah. And that pretty much is the foundation that it's the foundational science behind everything we believe about saturated fat and cholesterol. Uh, and then really the science since then, um, they've um, done like, uh, they got rid of the saturated fat and they added vegetables and fish and whatever. And then they claim that the, heart attacks were caused by the saturated fat, you Hmm. know, but you you had all these other issue, you know, things that they tested for. So you can't say that (laughs) scientifically. Um, and so things like that, um, or like there was one where they tested, uh, a cholesterol lowering drug. This was the lipid research clinics, coronary primary prevention trial. Mm -hmm. And so they had two groups, one group got the drug. And then the other group was the control group, but both groups were put on a low fat, low cholesterol diet. And the conclusion was that it seemed uh, like a low fat, low cholesterol diet. Uh, so, you know, reduced the risk of heart disease. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't say that because you didn't control for the diet. Both groups were on the diet. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you, you can't just, dis- you know, distinguish that. Um, and so just things like that. So every study has some kind of conclusion that you really can't scientifically draw. Um, I mean, if you're actually, you know, being really scientific.
0: Yeah. Okay. So um, what, talk to me about like di- infertility diagnoses, like what, some of the ways that, you know, doctors diagnose and what your what are your thoughts on those different diagnoses?
1: Yeah, so I think, um women's healthcare is still pretty bad. (laughs) Um, I think a lot of symptoms are ignored and sometimes, you know, we just go by a a test result, um, but the tests are not always accurate for every person. Yeah. Um, You know, so like with thyroid testing, if you're in the lower high end of the range, you probably, and you have symptoms, you probably have thyroid issues. Um, But since it's in the normal range for the lab, they're going to say, oh, you're perfectly fine. And then another problem with thyroid testing is they usually only test thyroid stimulating hormone and that can be normal and you can still have thyroid issues Um, so if you don't test you always want a full thyroid panel with antibodies Um, there's just no reason to not do that Um, especially if you've had miscarriages um, thyroid and iodine are the two things you absolutely want to check and usually they won't check the thyroid until you've had three miscarriages, which is insane. Yeah. Um, I mean like one. Thyroid is Thyroid affects
0: fertility and that was my problem, is my thyroid mm-hmm. was off. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we which really is probably should. an iodine
0: issue, right? <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you want to check those two things. Are you talking um, about okay, when you talk about antibodies, are you talking about uh, for Hashimoto's? Yes. So yeah. So when you have a low thyroid thyroid without Hashimoto's, is it usually an iodine deficiency?
1: It probably is You usually that. Yeah. Um, it could also be you're eating too many vegetable oils or, you know, other things that are causing inflammation, um, in the body, um, mm-hmm. that kind of thing.
0: Cause there are so many people my age and younger that have thyroid issues. Mm-hmm. And I just, again, we go back to millennia how could it be normal for a 25 year old's thyroid to give out? Like it just does not make sense to me. No,
1: it doesn't. And it's, and it's not normal, but I think it's a result of the increase in bromide because we, it's just everywhere. Um, and then our diet, we just don't eat it. And so that's really, um, what the problem boils down to, but oftentimes to fix it, you have to take really high doses of a supplement.
0: Mm. Um,
1: you know, so I always recommend being you know, working with a knowledgeable practitioner with that? Well,
0: yeah, I, I could speak to the thyroid thing because I've been doing thyroid stuff for 20 years, but because I'm I'm of the, the mindset that there's something wrong that I feel like my thyroid shouldn't be sick in the first place. Mm-hmm. Something made it sick. And if I could figure out what made it sick, it would, it would heal. But the, the thought of most of my doctors that have treated me is once you're on a thyroid medication, you'll never come off it. And if you try and, you know, help and support the thyroid, then you may end up with a hyperthyroid situation. You don't want that. So go ahead and just rely on the thyroid supplement and you're good.
1: Yeah. And, um, I think that's, I, I don't think conventional medicine really does the thyroid well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, number one, they don't test all the markers and they they'll usually put you on a medication just with the TSH alone or something, um, mm-hmm. which I don't think is a good idea, but, um, the problem is that we tend to look at things, um, alone. So, um, you know, if we just took iodine without considering supportive nutrients, like selenium and vitamin C and magnesium, um, we would have run into problems. And so it's the same with the thyroid. You can't just, um, look at one thing. You've got to look at the whole picture. And, um, and, and that's, what I think what's missing in conventional medicine. And I've got a lots of bugs in the house because they're working windows (laughs)
0: windows (laughs) yeah well we can't hear them but on the youtube you can see them yes right (laughs) all the windows are open and you're in texas so lots of bugs right yeah okay so uh, so sorry so back to the diagnosis of infertility so i know for me it was thyroid but what are some of the other diagnoses that you can get and what are your thoughts about them
1: yeah, so I think polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, and usually endo is very uh, is not easily diagnosed. It takes for years and years before um, doctors will give you that diagnosis. Um, there's also cysts, fibroids, um, low ovarian reserve, but really the um, Picos, the endo, the cysts and fibroids, those are all iodine related too. Hmm. Um, and so iodine really does have a significant impact. And so, um, you really want to make sure your levels are good before you get pregnant. Wow. Yeah. And so, and so that's the number one thing I do is test for iodine.
0: (laughs) And is that, I I've never been tested for iodine. That's really interesting. How do you, is it just a blood work test?
1: No, I do an iodine loading test. Um, so you take 50 milligrams of iodine and then you collect your urine for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Not a fun test, but um, it's the best one. And so if you get less than 90 percent, then you're deficient. Um, and so far everybody I've tested has been deficient, usually so, around 75 to 60 percent. So can you overdose on iodine? You can. Um, that's why you want to work with somebody who knows what they're doing. Um, and so yeah, if you take high doses of iodine, you really Um, I always have clients start with two weeks of salt loading. Um, and so I have them put like a a quarter to a half teaspoon of salt in water in the morning and drink that. Um, and the salt starts getting rid of the bromide so that then the cells can accept the iodine. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also make sure they're getting enough selenium, magnesium, vitamin C and B vitamins to go with that because the selenium actually helps the iodine, uh, keeps it from being toxic. Mm. And so if you just used iodine, that would not be a good thing.
0: Oh, interesting. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, so many things to screw <laughs> up. So no matter, so that it doesn't surprise me then that a lot of practitioners are nervous to talk about iodine because yeah. there's so many ways you can screw it up. It's not like a, a vitamin that, you know, if you have too much, you'll just pee out the excess. You can actually, right. yeah. what are some of the symptoms of overdosing on the iodine?
1: Well, you'd probably have, um, your thyroid would go nuts, probably (laughs) like it would go probably go into hyper. So you might have more anxiety, um, and things like that. Hmm. Um, and yeah. And so you, you really do need to watch
0: that. Got it. Okay. So when somebody comes to you, uh, with a, with a diagnosis, then do you take that diagnosis at face value? Are you looking for things that may have been missed? Obviously, looking for things that have been. So, what is your, kind of your thought process? They come and say, oh, "I just can't get pregnant because the doctor says I have endometriosis." Endometriosis. Sorry, can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> so when
1: I yeah, so I don't actually treat any diagnosis. I look at the structure and function of the body. So if you have something like endometriosis, what that tells me is that you might be iodine deficient and you might not be getting enough fat-soluble vitamins hmm. um, like vitamin A, and which would um, help the integrity of the endometrium lining. Um, and, you know, and so those two things, because we know we're on a low fat diet, so we, we, do, we don't get a lot of fat-soluble vitamins. And some of those like vitamin A, you can't get from plant foods and plant-based diets are all the rage right now. So, and vegan. So if that's what you're doing, you might not be getting enough vitamin A. Mm. Um, And so one of the things I do is test, um, do DNA testing. And what I can tell with that is if you're um, genetically predisposed to um, not being able to convert beta carotene, which is a precursor to vitamin A that's in plant foods, Mm -hmm. um, to vitamin A then you need to supplement. Then you
0: need to supplement. Yeah. Wow. What about some of the other B you said B vitamins, like nice and B six. Yeah. And so like-
1: actually B two is the one I pay attention to the most, um, really? because yeah, usually if you're low in B two, um, that increases your risk for miscarriage and preeclampsia. So I always, um, make sure everyone's getting plenty of, um, B two is called riboflavin, um, in their diet. Um, And of course, you know, you need the folate and all that. So another thing that comes out with the DNA test is um, what I call a glitch, (laughs) the MTHFR glitch. Mm -hmm. Um, So that makes you more likely to have fertility issues. Um, But the good news with DNA is, uh, while it doesn't change. So you have your genes and they live with you forever um, unless you go to the moon or something. But you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of a near Chernobyl under, then you right. Near, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, it's the same, but um, it's not your destiny. So we can actually turn on genes that express for health or baby making,
0: mm-hmm. and we can
1: turn off genes that block baby making um, with food and nutrition and nutrients. And so that's where the nutrigenomics part comes in.
0: Okay, so um that is basically just taking your body's yeah, because I mean we're re- we're wired to procreate. We're mm-hmm. we're supposed to do that. And if something's blocking it, you're basically just optimizing things so your genes can, can exactly. take away. So you're you're more of the mindset that we really can heal a lot of mm-hmm. these chronic illnesses. So what are some of the other I mean we talk about fertility? Chronic illnesses really affect fertility because yeah. nature's not gonna want you to get pregnant because pregnancy is very expensive nutritionally and energetically right they right nature's protecting you from getting pregnant if you're not nutritionally optimized well still then the question is how do people get pregnant like during yeah (laughs) famine but i mean right Um, really great genes yeah really great genes or maybe they were not they were not nutritionally um they had all the nutrition they needed before the famine started but um but basically you're saying just returning your body back to whole health Will usually solve most fertility issues.
1: Yeah. So I balance six core centers of health in the body. So I look at mineral balance, calcium balance, um, connective tissue integrity, um, aerobic metabolism, oxidation balance, and inflammation balance.
0: And you so, can tell this all with a blood test? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can tell. Um, so I, I have a health questionnaire. So that will kind of tell me, oh, I might need to, you know, pay attention and see what's happening there. Um, and, but the blood, blood test will actually, based on their the results, I can tell, oh yeah, the, you're in an inflammatory state um, or you've uh, got too much acid or um, that, <clears throat> that type of thing. And we can fix those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe the body does want to be in he- in good health. And I think it's designed in a way to be in good health. And when it's not, it's because the body is trying to protect you. It's, Mm -hmm. it's trying to compensate for something that's not there. Um, and so we just need to put back what it's trying to compensate for.
0: Got it. Okay. And not everybody's trying to conceive. So what are some of the chronic illnesses or chronic? Yeah. Chronic illnesses that people suffer with that, I guess, become just apparent when you're trying to conceive, but that are just always like low grade, crappy living, like, Talk about our quality of life and chronic yeah. illnesses.
1: <laughs> well, I think the thyroid is probably one of the main ones, um, and I think that probably impacts just about everything. I even think like fibromyalgia is probably an iodine deficiency.
0: Um, wow, that's yeah, that's a pretty bold
1: statement. Yeah, <laughs> so um, there's a lot of things like that that we just you know we never have any explanations for. But again, nobody's checking for iodine. No, um, but the problem. Um, And I, what I really figured out was that our biology is no longer a match for our environment. Um, And so that's what, you know, between 1980 and today, all the things that have changed. Um, And so if you can imagine somebody's throwing darts at you, um, you know, one, two, three darts, you're, it's going to hurt a little bit, but you'll be fine. But if they threw hundreds of darts at you, and they just never stopped throwing darts at you, you're going to be a bloody mess on the floor. Um, I mean, you, you, you,
0: you pick the best metaphors. I will give
1: you that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the environment is throwing darts at you. Um, and we call these darts toxins. And so we have so many toxins out there today. They're in our skincare products. Um, the laundry detergent, um, dryer sheets, you know, we put it in our yard and weed killer, um, plastic. I mean, it's just, it's every everywhere is some kind of environmental toxin. Mm-hmm. And so some of these we can get rid of, um, we can avoid, you know, we can change the kind of products we put on our skin, um, but then some of them we can't. Um, so they're just going to be in, like glyphosate until we ban that completely. Um, it's going to yeah, be in the air. Yeah, Roundup. It's going to be in the air and we're not going to be able to avoid it completely. So the the problem is we need to get our biology um, adapted, I guess, to dealing with these toxins. So my mommy maker method is a two-step process. Number one, you stop the toxins that you can. And then number two, you shield the body from the toxins you can't stop. So, um, it's kind of like Star Trek, you know, with the shield around the ship. <laughs> so the bombs and don't. with the metaphors. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. No,
0: I love it. I love it. Okay, cool. So stop the ones you can control. And a mm-hmm. lot of that's like maybe cleaning products, you yeah. know, maybe choosing not to drink gasoline. No, I'm just kidding. Right, what yeah. are some of the other things you could pick to stop? Like. Yeah.
1: So the number one thing is stop the vegetable oils. Those okay, are yeah. some of the most toxic things. Um. You want to stop genetically modified organisms um, because those are usually heavily sprayed with glyphosate. Um, and actually, uh GMOs also in animals cause organ damage. So that they're going to get chronic illnesses there, um, death and infertility. And we've never studied those in humans. Hmm. So Um, But the FDA decided they were safe and threw them out on the market in the early 1990s um, without anybody knowing about them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, So we need to stop those. Um, And those, you can uh, buy organic uh, food is the best way to stop that. Um, And then dryer sheets. I would stop using dryer sheets. Mm -hmm. Use the wool balls or the silicone balls and put essential oils in them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then nail polish is actually highly toxic. Um, and this will show up in your urine even. Um, so, you know, if you visit the nail salon, you want to try to find a green one if you can, otherwise at least sit by the door. So you have people walking in and out with some air flow and bring your own nail polish that doesn't have all the toxins in it.
0: Got it. Cool. And then stuff that you can't control
1: yeah. So that's where we want to make sure that our nutrition is up to par. We're eating our fat soluble nutrients or our iodine is good. Um, and so iodine deficiency is also a main contributor to breast cancer mm. as well. And we have seen an increase in thyroid issues and breast cancer, um, and infertility. So all of these iodine related, um, illnesses are on the rise.
0: Wow. Makes me want to go look at some iodine research. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. So those, those are the, basically the two core tenets of the mommy maker method. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about, um, how people can learn about that and reach out to you and all the things.
1: Yeah. So my website is getpregnantplan.com and then I do free consultations. Um, and so that's at getpregnanteasier.com. And so, you know, if you're trying to get pregnant and it's just not working and, You've tried everything. Um, if you haven't tried me, you haven't tried everything.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, but you can and then book- you, you, I mean, you can't serve all of the millions of no. yeah. so what, is, what are some of the things somebody could ask to get to the right person to help them? Like what are some of those key like secret questions that if somebody were to come to you be like, "I am the person for you, that they could then you know go out and find a provider that potentially does similar to what you do?
1: Yeah. So I would ask, uh, so definitely ask for a full thyroid panel with antibodies. If they're going to do a thyroid test, make it that, um, and insist on it. Um, and if your doctor won't do it, find a new doctor or do it yourself with like doctor's data, um, online or direct labs. Um, I think anyone can order from those places. So Mm -hmm. you might have to do your own lab work. Um, but definitely ask for that. I would do an iodine loading test okay. and you can get that from hakala labs.com. It's H a K a L a L a B S.com. And, um, yeah, so definitely do those two things, um, and try to find a functional doctor. Uh, so they're, they're much more in tune with, um, the body in mm-hmm. a holistic approach. So I would definitely try to do that. Um, and then I'm working on a, um, a course that people can go through that will help them get rid of the toxins that they need to and and think about the nutrients that they need um, and building up the health of the body mm-hmm. as well so I can reach more people that way. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to figure out way, <laughs> ways I can get yeah uh, because more, what you're more saying information. Is-
0: is It makes a lot of sense, but it goes against what a lot of people yeah. are hearing at their doctors. So it's like, okay, who do I listen to? Some nutritionist on the internet or my doctor. Right. I think what you're going to say though, eventually is going to be, I mean, you're going to be obsolete and that's the goal, right? <laughs> that, right. What you're saying today. I mean, some of this stuff we generally understand that margarine's bad now, but 15 years ago there was still that, you know, big. Mm-hmm. And also uh, I know like the low, low carb diet, you know low fat was all the rage and now people are understanding actually low carb is, is okay too. You're not going to kill yourself with low carb. (laughs) So, I mean, it's just, things change and hopefully, hopefully the next generation looks back on, on your work and says, oh, that was so adorable that she had to fight so hard for iodine. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It is terrible that we have to fight so hard. I mean, you know, it's, a, we're in a science field and it should be open to debate and discussion and asking questions and challenging answers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, hopefully we'll get there someday.
0: I think your thyroid testing though, your thyroid comment. I, I love it because, um, when I first got my first thyroid test about, uh, 20 years ago, when I was trying to get pregnant with our first, um, the, my, my grandma, who's a homeopath, she said, go in and get the full pan- panel, go in. And I went in and asked for the full panel and they didn't know what I was talking about. And I had to fight mm-hmm. for it. And they did the wrong one. I said, no, I need you to check the T4 whatever. I don't remember the rules. right? And and um, I fought for that hard for the first five, almost maybe up to 10 years. And now no matter where I go, I say full full thyroid panel. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we already do that. We know that you have to check the T4. Blah, 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 blah. So I think that's pretty cool that just in you know, my 20 years of experience with thyroid medication, that things are changing.
1: Yeah. That's really good. Um, yeah. so maybe yeah, eventually
0: they'll say, Oh, you, you have a hypothyroidism. Let's look at your iodine levels.
1: Right. <laughs> there's
0: the next step, right? The next frontier.
1: <laughs> yeah. We need to get over our fear of iodine for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, um, people can also follow me at the mommy maker on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram.
0: All the things. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been really, really interesting. I know there's also a book out there about iodine. You probably, yeah,
1: yeah, I think iodine crisis. The iodine crisis um, and then, yeah. yeah, Dr. Brownstein has also written a book on iodine. Um, and so the, yeah, those are really good. So I would definitely check those out.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Just a fly on the nose. Thank you so much for joining me today. This You're has been welcome. so fascinating. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience.